Cancer Advances, a Cleveland Clinic podcast for medical professionals, exploring the latest innovative research and clinical advances in the field of oncology. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Cancer Advances. I'm your host, Dr. Dale Shepard, a medical oncologist here at Cleveland Clinic, overseeing our toxic phase one and sarcoma programs. Today, I'm happy to be joined by Dr. Stephanie Valente, Medical Director of the Breast Center at Cleveland Clinic Fairview Hospital. Stephanie joined us for a previous episode of this podcast to discuss advances in lymphovenous bypass surgery. That episode is still available. Today, she is here to talk to us about the Young Women's Clinic. So welcome back, Stephanie. Hi, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So remind us a little bit again about your role here at Cleveland Clinic. Sure. So I'm a um, breast cancer surgeon. Um, I see patients on the west side of Cleveland, and I'm the medical director of the Fairview Hospital Breast Program. Very good. So we're going to talk about the Young Women's Clinic today. So um, I'm going to start really simple. What do we consider young? <laughs> it's all relative, right? Yeah. So just to kind of put it in perspective, the average or the median age for a woman to get breast cancer is 63. So that means half of the women who get breast cancer are over that age, half are younger than that age. Um, young women can be anybody under the age of 50, but when we think specifically about young women, um, as far as you know, pregnancy and childbearing, we kind of focus on the under 40 population. Okay, very good. So tell us a little bit, um, let's just jump in. Tell us a little bit about the clinic. Sure. So um, it's it's kind of a concept instead of, oh, you have um, breast cancer and you're under the age of 40, you know, you only come into a certain building or a certain day. So the clinic is kind of a, a concept where if we have a woman who is diagnosed under the age of 40, it's a multidisciplinary team approach to seeing this young woman in a multidisciplinary fashion. And usually it happens on the same day if that you know woman is able to get out of work or whatever. And so what that looks like is the when they come in, they will see the breast surgeon, the medical oncologist, the radiation oncologist, a plastic surgeon, a geneticist, a fertility physician, if necessary. They will have their imaging reviewed by a radiologist and their pathology slides by a pathologist before the consultation. And a breast psychologist, if they would like. So very comprehensive. Yeah. And so when the young woman comes in, it's really just to kind of help her understand, you know, when you get a call and it says you have breast cancer, I mean, you, you think your world's over. And so really we start out with, you know, going over imaging, you know, exactly what are we seeing? How big is the cancer? What stage do we think it is? And then, you know, what we call tumor biology, what type of breast cancer is she dealing with and whether or not we think it's moved or metastasized outside of the breast into either the lymph nodes or any other part of her body. Based on that kind of understanding, just to get the patient at some level of breast cancer knowledge, then as a group, we go over our treatment recommendations. Do we recommend surgery and do we recommend it first? Do we recommend that she receive some type of systemic therapy like chemotherapy and would that be recommended first? Do we think that radiation in her case is necessary or is that an option? And whether or not plastic surgery, you know, once we do surgery to remove the cancer to kind of help restore the symmetry to her body um, would be necessary. So again, young women, higher risk of some type of genetic component, about 10% of women 
you know, have some type of gene that increases their risk of getting um, breast cancer, you know, on the other breast or something like that. So they meet with the genetics counselor. Importantly, fertility is a component to some of these women. So whether that not they wish to have more kids or um, haven't even thought about kids, but want to look at that in the future, you know, looking at the options so that, you know, if they want to later on in life, they can become mothers. And so just from a, a, the biology of breast cancers in this population, are they more likely to get particular types of breast cancer? That's a good question. So usually screening mammograms start at age 40 because under the age of 40, these women just have really dense breast tissue and mammogram isn't really the best screening method. We don't have a good screening method. And so 80% of women under the age of 40 actually present with a palpable mass that they found themselves. And so if you're finding a mass that you feel, usually it's a lot larger than something that would be caught on screening mammograms. So it's not necessarily that they have a more aggressive type of breast cancer. It's just that by the time it's found, it's at a more advanced stage. And so you mentioned mammograms at 40. It seems like a really confusing topic, I must say, because you hear 40 and you hear 50. And are most women getting mammograms at 40 at this point? So the, the recommendations um, by the Cleveland Clinic and a lot of the National American Society of Breast Surgeons and Cancer Society are to begin screening mammograms at age 40 um, and to continue those as long as a woman is in good health. Um, and we truly believe that you can see changes in the breast tissue from year to year. And it's a simple test to do. So we do recommend screening annually beginning at age 40. In addition to just kind of knowing your breasts, knowing what your body feels like so that, you know, if you do feel something or notice something different, that you'd be able to bring it to your physician's attention. So I guess just to, uh, again, if, when we're thinking about young women with breast cancer, from an incident standpoint, how many women are in that clearly half or less than 63, which is the median? How many are in that 40 and that around that younger age? Yeah, and that's a good question. So if you look at um, the National Cancer Institute, they say, you know, it's roughly around four to seven percent of women under the age of 40 get diagnosed with breast cancer. So what does that look like? So the average woman over her lifetime, we say just because women have breasts, their risk of getting breast cancer is one in eight, which is around 12 to 13 percent lifetime risk. If you break that down, you say a woman age 40, her risk of getting breast cancer is about one and a half percent. So one out of 65 women under the age of 30 is about 5%. So that's one in 204 women. So not that common in 30, but it does, you know, increase to age 40. And then age 50 is two and a half percent. So one in 42, roughly. So I guess in some other cancers like colon cancer, there seems to be a shift toward younger patients do we see an increase in a similar way where more younger women are, are being diagnosed with breast cancer? Now, clearly, as we, as we screen younger people, we get more. But is there, a, is there a trend toward more young women getting breast cancer? There is. And, and the trend, I don't know if it's as extreme as like colon rectal cancer. But so we know like in 1970s, it was one out of 10 women uh, got breast cancer. So overall, about 10%. Now that's up to 13%. So we know it's about less than half percent per year increase overall. And we're seeing it more and more in younger women. 
when we talk about uh, some of the things that are unique, you mentioned with younger women, you mentioned things like fertility issues. What are some of the other factors that are, are really important to, to address in younger women? One of the things that younger women get, uh, some younger women that are, are at an increased risk for a genetic mutation called BRCA, BRCA, especially the BRCA1 gene, and that's a triple negative breast cancer. So that means that this cancer is growing abnormally, so not in response to estrogen, which normally breast tissue grows. So that's kind of one of the more aggressive breast cancers that we can potentially see in younger women. And again, younger women with breast cancer, the tendency, and, and they're presenting at you know later stages because they're not getting screened. So a lot of these women are getting chemotherapy recommended, uh, rightfully so, but chemotherapy does, you know, have harmful effects on the ability to, it kind of decreases the ability to have kids in the future because it has cytotoxic effects on the ovaries. So, um, you know, looking at whether or not these women actually want to undergo egg harvest prior to systemic therapy. Additionally, for women that are estrogen receptor positive, the recommendation after chemotherapy and surgery is to be on what's called a tamoxifen. It's an estrogen receptor blocker, and that's for, you know, five to 10 years after therapy. And so a lot of these women young are getting put into menopause. So again, that's bone loss, you know, hot flashes, night sweats. So kind of that whole spectrum. Additionally, you know, kind of looking at it from a body perspective, some of these women, you know, are not married, don't have a spouse. So kind of saying like, wow, you know, it, it's tough to be in the dating scene in general, but to kind of be undergoing that. Um, we also have young women that are raising kids um, and, you know, their husband's just as fearful as they are about having to raise kids alone, but to try and juggle, you know, not feeling well from chemo or multiple appointments and, you know, childcare or getting children to and from places. A lot of women have jobs and they're young in their careers. So a lot of them don't have, you know, the extended time off that they can take that's necessary. So a lot of them are, again, juggling a lot of different factors, you know, in this situation. From a treatment standpoint, we oftentimes think about altering therapies for older patients because of maybe tolerance and things. Are there similar differences in, in either treatment choices sort of uh, treatment options, how we might stage things in younger women because of their age? Yeah. And we try and keep it objective and evidence-based, you know, saying like, okay, you know, we're treating this tumor. Again, you don't want to over-treat somebody because they're younger. From a surgical standpoint, a lot of uh, younger women, you know, do tend to look at the more aggressive surgery, which would be, you know, again, based on their stage, but some of them are choosing, you know, mastectomy, um, bilateral mastectomy, especially if they have the genetic mutation, the ability to do immediate breast reconstruction, understanding that the more aggressive surgery doesn't make them live longer. It's the tumor biology and the stage that the cancer presents itself in. So we go over those options with women because young, old, um, some people think that if they pick the, you know, the largest surgery, a mastectomy compared to a lumpectomy that makes their survival better. And that's really not the case. So just kind of understanding that even though women, you know, sometimes have a choice in how they surgically want to remove their breast, it's really not improving their odds, so to speak. Sounds like there might be some educational opportunities. I mean, it's understandable. 
Yeah. And so a lot of the, you know, the women's clinic and those conversations are, are, are with the women, because again, there's a lot of anxiety around, you know, this and breast cancer in general and all ages. And, and so our first job as clinicians is to help women understand, you know, exactly the stage and the type of breast cancer that they have so that as a group, we can really help make decisions that are grounded in evidence. And, you know, I always tell women, like, I'm not the one that's lying awake at two o'clock in the morning. You are. So, you know, let's help design a treatment plan that makes you feel comfortable. But again, it's the right treatment plan for you. How does the uh, the young women's uh, clinic incorporate things like support groups or fourth angel program or things like that? Yeah, that's a great question. So there are um, a lot of support groups available for women in general and young women, a lot of community resources as well. So we do utilize the fourth angel program. When our breast cancer patients come in there, they receive, you know, like a blue folder full of a lot of information and the fourth angel program booklet and how to enroll is in there. It's a big program for breast cancer patients. Um, And so what the fourth angel program is for women who don't know is it's kind of like a big sister program and it's, it's for all types of cancer, but for breast cancer specifically, it's, they try and pair up with a similar type of tumor, similar age, who's been out of cancer treatment for about two years or so, who, um, you know, is paired up with that woman and, you know, contacts her and says, you know, when you go to chemotherapy, you know, make sure you bring a blanket or something like that. Because as much as I know about breast cancer, I've actually never sat in the chemo chair myself or had a drain after surgery. So that, you know, human interaction is very important and positive as well. There's a lot of community resources that are out there. One that we use quite frequently is, is called the Gathering Place, and it's um, on the, both the east and west side of Cleveland. And they do have in-person and online young women support groups specifically. We also have exercise programs, physical therapy, and then again, our breast psychologists. We have two breast psychologists in our department, and they're really helpful. You know, how do you tell your kids? You know, when do you kind of change their life? Because a lot of people that undergo chemotherapy, unfortunately for breast cancer, do lose their hair. So a lot of times that, you know, how they look um, changes a lot for their their kids. Um, And so kind of walking through that with them is really important. So certainly people that would be seen in this young women's clinic have, you know, we would like with effective therapies, a, a long life expectancy in many cases. How, how do you approach survivorship in this group since there may potentially be a much, much longer period of time for them to pick up sort of issues related to their therapy? So our goal for survivorship in these women is kind of double. And so that's our goal. And we say, you know what, most women are breast cancer survivors and our job is to make you in that in that group. So in survivorship, women are followed closely. They're followed by the breast team. Um, in the beginning, every three to four months after they're completed with therapy, and then it moves to every six months. The women are taught how to identify if they do have a recurrence, you know, and things to look for like that. But they're also, again, as a really big survivorship group, when we talk about, you know, moving forward in survivorship from breast cancer, sometimes patients will describe it as kind of the collateral damage, you know, after chemotherapy and surgery and kind of starting over with the new you. And again, that's where support groups are are really helpful. But, you know, just understanding, you know, when does the neuropathy go away? How long do they have to deal with that? Um, And just kind of getting assessed with, you know, intimacy issues and 
body image and, and stuff like that. So we do spend a lot of time in survivorship going over those things, healthy eating, getting back to exercise and lifestyle, and really helping women identify the things that they can control. Because a lot of cancer care is, you know, some things have decisions, but a lot of it is not in their control. And so trying to identify what they can control and and really keeping positive because that's what these women need. It's good to hear that you have good psychology support because I can imagine that fear of recurrence is, is probably pretty prevalent in this group. Yeah, it's it's tough, you know, because you say, oh, great, you're cancer free, but there's a chance it can come back, but go ahead and, and you know, move forward with life. It's It's really tough. And I think a lot of these women you know, you, even though you try and move forward, you do kind of come back to that. And I think it's, you know, sometimes can be a, a mind game for some of these women, you know, oh, my, my elbow hurts. Well, our elbow hurts all the time. We don't think we have cancer, but their elbow hurts. And is it, or is it not? Do I need to, you know, call my doctor? And so it it is a lot um, for these women. And I think a majority of them do a fabulous job. It's, it's, it's tough for sure. Yeah. So what uh, what's on the horizon for the the clinic itself or management of, the, of patients uh, in this younger category? You know, the clinic is a, is a big place, and and there's a lot of young women out there, and so we're working in our young women's group, um, and we haven't even touched upon it: pregnancy associated breast cancer. So making sure that you know women, um, and this is with maternal fetal medicine and their children, um, or their unborn child, are getting the appropriate care at the right time and that we're not under treating pregnancy associated breast cancer in these young women. So again, just really looking at, you know, care paths, which are standard evidence-based pathways that we treat women, young women and pregnancy associated breast cancer um, and making sure that, you know, if patients want to get treated out here at Fairview or at the main campus or down in, you know, Worcester, that they're getting the same Cleveland Clinic care wherever they're getting so that the physicians all are understanding evidence-based medicine and that they're providing the, the right care that all women are getting, you know, fertility preservation options and things like that. So really just making sure that all the care provided is, is equal among all sites. Well, you're doing really good work and I appreciate you uh, being with us for some good insight today. Well, thanks for having me. To make a direct online referral to our TASA Cancer Institute, complete our online cancer patient referral form by visiting clevelandclinic.org slash cancer patient referrals. You will receive confirmation once the appointment is scheduled. This concludes this episode of Cancer Advances. You will find additional podcast episodes on our website, clevelandclinic.org slash cancer advances podcast. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget, you can access real-time updates from Cleveland Clinic's Cancer Center experts on our ConsultQD website at consultqd.clevelandclinic.org cancer. Thank you for listening. Please join us again soon.